Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. All right, we've got another episode here with Nick joining us. Hi, Nick. Hey, how's everybody doing today? Hopefully they're good. Um, so, uh, today, I guess we can jump right into it. We were just kind of discussing this before we got the show started, but, uh, we, fa- we came across, do you have it pulled up on your phone or do you want me to pull it up on mine? Um, but we were discussing, um, just this idea and it's, it's not even, it's a kind of an interesting thing cause it's not necessarily a fantasy situation because it's just, it's a likelihood, like this is an actual possibility outcome here, but it was basically giving like stats or accomplishments that have been made in the NHL and which one out of any of them is um, the one that's likely to be um, possibly broken. So there was some that was team accomplishment, individual players accomplishment, but these are bona fide records that I mean, hypothetically, anybody could break or any team could break. It's just, what are the chances of this happening? It's not like when you, you, you sit here and talk playoff formatting, like, oh, which, uh, you know, if this is how you decide to format the playoffs or if this, it's like, no, nah, this is a bona fide thing. So anyway, uh, do you have the options up there, Nick? I've got the options up here right now. So I will quickly run through them for everyone at home. And then you guys can start to think about your own options and think it as we're having the debate which one you'd side with. Mm -hmm. So the first option is Gretzky's 2,857 career points. Okay. Second option, (laughs) Salani's 76 rookie goals. Yeah. Nice little Winnipeg stat there for the record. Any uh, hockey fans will appreciate that Jeff call, that Jeff callback. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> the Stanley Cup champion Canadians winning five consecutive Stanley Cups. I believe that was in, I want to say the 60s, 50s or 60s. I forgot, I forgot when that one was. Gretzky's 215 points in a season. And Jeff Malone's seven goals in one game. Joe Malone, sorry. Joe Malone's seven goals in one game in 1917. And then just to make it a little bit more interesting, they throw in a sixth option of just other with a question mark. Yeah. You can choose your own adventure there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Yeah, exactly. Choose your own fucking adventure on that. Uh, all right, so I don't. I, I think why don't we discuss them all? Like we could discuss the merits. Uh, we discuss some write-in options as well. We'll get to those, or should we introduce the write-in options and then go through them? What do you think? I think we go through the options they lined out, then go through our write-in options, and then do a vote at the end. Okay. Follow, we'll follow the order. We'll follow the one to five, and then other options, and then we'll do our independent vote thereafter. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, yeah. was it, was it NHL on NBC I got it from? Yeah, it was NHL on NBC. Okay, I'm trying to find it on their Instagram. Great question. It, that was a loaded, loaded question. All right, so let's get into the, uh, oh, it, oh here's another one um, that they had. Power rankings. Okay, so, which ones? Okay, so there's something else here we can discuss as well. Okay, anyway, um, 
they have something here which is more most impressive single season stats so we can discuss that list too maybe in another episode but we'll see actually we have a lot of time to talk about things today um but yeah so the career points for gretzky was the number one one yeah 2857 career points for gretzky <laughs> isn't it something too where if he never even scored a goal he'd still be the all-time leading point getter like he still has he's that far ahead yeah, I believe that's the case, is that Gretzky has more assists than anyone else has points. Yeah. Which is just insane. Like, that's mind bog. Like, that's different stratosphere level. Uh, I'm going to go ahead right away and say, like, it's not going to happen. You just can't put up that kind of production in today's modern era. Where And I think a big thing, too, is we have to remember it's not like the discrepancy of yesteryear in terms of talent. Like, these players are all super fucking good. Like, even the worst person on any NHL roster is still better than the best player I've ever played with, provided that player isn't somebody who has made it to the NHL themselves. But they're better than anybody I've ever played with. Yeah, there is no... There, there is no... I, I think we can safely agree, both of us can agree, there is no, oh, it's not, the, the talent isn't as good... I mean, maybe the talent isn't as good as there isn't another Gretzky in the league right now and prepared to make that contention, that there is no offensive player who's just as dominant. But I think, universally speaking, talent has not diminished in the NHL over the years. And potentially, I think it's improved. Overall, from top to bottom, I think the league is better now than it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah, I know. that is... No, and I would say, like, I think what you said there about the Gretzky thing, though, is interesting. Like, when you say that there isn't somebody like a Gretzky, I think it's, as you said, some. I think the bigger thing there in terms of dominance is more so there's no longer that big a discrepancy. Like, where there's one player that's that much better than everybody else. Because I'd say there are players that, skill for skill, can do more than Gretzky could, for sure. And they're outside yeah. even the top 30 players. It's just, like, there's nobody who's that much better than the rest of the pack. And as such, yeah, I would agree with that. Like, and it would be tough because, I mean, you, the, the numbers you'd have to put up on a year-by-year basis, like, there's nobody that can do it now. Like, there's nobody currently playing in the NHL that could do it. And at the rate at which players are getting better, I just don't think that's possible. So I think we can scrap that one. That is not getting broken, in my opinion. That has, I would say, a 0% chance of getting broken. Yeah. Now, an interesting note, who would you think is number two in all-time career points oh, in the y- NHL, it's, NHL it's, history? It's Yarmir Yager. Yeah, it's Yarmir Yager. And then it's um, um, Marc Messier. And then it's Marc Messier. But, I mean, if you look at the numbers, and this just even shows how unbeatable this record is. So, we've like, not, Gretzky does have more assists than Yarmir Yager has points. That's, fu- one. that's fucked up. And Gretzky has played 260 less games. Yeah, that's fu- that's fucked up. That's basically four seasons. That's three seasons. That's three and that's a bit three seasons. Three and a half, like three and a quarter full seasons that Gretzky has played less than Yarmir <laughs> Like, that's nuts. And remember, too, Gretzky retired at a much younger age, too. Like, Gretzky still had years left. He still had years on the bike left. Yeah, he certainly could have put up another, a few more 80-point seasons along the way. Absolutely. He could have hit 3,000 without a doubt and just put it so far out of reach that... It's not even a conversation. (laughs) It's 
there's no point in even running the poll at this point. <laughs> Could you imagine? But like, and maybe there was a reason. Maybe, I mean, he was one of those first generations of celebrity athletes, right? That like had transcended a sport. There was like him and Michael Jordan, um, you know, Mike Tyson got in there, Muhammad Ali, but there hadn't been many. You know, yeah, like, there hadn't been many. Maybe Jim Brown back in the fifties. Yeah, but even then, like when you look at it, like Arnold Palmer didn't truly transcend golf until golf got way bigger, and even then, he was known purely for the golf. He was a big deal in golf, but he wasn't a big deal in the grand scheme. As far like looking back on it now, yeah, you certainly couldn't send Arnold Palmer to some place that's never played hockey and been like this is your messiah, this is your guy, like Gretzky did in Los Angeles, basically bringing all of the California teams to the NHL. Yeah. Because if the Kings don't get Gretzky, hockey does, there are not, how many hockey teams are there in the the California right now? Five? Three. No, it's got to be more than three. Los Angeles, San Jose, Anaheim. And then there's there's about six within a close vicinity there, because then if you add in Colorado, Vegas, and Arizona... It kind of makes up six within a relatively close proximity on the west there. That's funny. I thought there was five for some weird reason. No. And I'm like, wait, no, there's not any in San Francisco or Oakland. There isn't any in Sacramento. Yeah, so you're right. No, it, it, it feels like there's more, but there really is only the three. Well, I think, too, all this talk of a Seattle team has done something, too, for that. Like, I think this whole Seattle non, you know, pushing for Seattle expansion, and I guess they did get a team. They did get a team. There you go, yeah. So the Seattle expansion kind of makes it seem like that West Coast is a little more populated than it actually is. But, you know, you're right. Like, there wouldn't be any of this, and we wouldn't have Austin Matthews. Like, I think it's like something like Austin Matthews, when you think about it, is the true first benefactor. Like, kind of, he would not have gone, his life wouldn't have lined up this way if it wasn't for Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, very much so, because he wouldn't have picked up the stick as a kid. He wouldn't have he would have picked he would have played a different sport, most likely. Yeah. Right? So I mean he was the first generation and first superstar as a result. Because a lot of the other East like was more kind of the northern part of the United States, where they neighbor Canada, they kind of we kind of mirror each other a little bit. And that's where a lot of the American talent came from in terms of the U.S. kind of national program and recognizes their elite players. But now, all of a sudden, Austin Matthews, kid grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona. You know, so, like, this is a background that would not have produced a hockey player. And, I mean, the kid's a giant. He's, like, 6'2", 6'3". Like, he's a solid kid. Anyway, what's number two? Number two, Solani's 76 rookie goals. (laughs) All right, what do you think? I mean, of the ones on the list, not to give a huge spoiler alert, I think, I don't think it's attainable, but I think it's maybe one of the, I'll call them in air quotes, more attainable ones, potentially, just because I feel like, granted, 76 goals in a season is pretty much unattainable in 2020 NHL, Yeah, but I feel like it's not... I feel like it could somehow happen. Like, you know, somebody could just get, like, come out, go balls to the wall, somehow for the full 82 games, maybe have, like, a crazy stretch of, like, 10 games where they pick up 20 goals. Yeah. And then 
stay on like this a crazy pace the rest of the season and they just kind of sneak their way in. Yeah. It's also probably it's the most recent of the record. So, yeah. You know, the recency effect does make me think. Yeah. It's maybe a little bit more attainable. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a tough one. But I mean, hey, kudos also to Winnipeg. Yeah. We actually got to win it a lot of those goals. So that's fantastic for us. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, um, it, it is cool. Like that, that was a really inter- cool thing too, in terms of Canadian hockey, because that would have been like, cause I, that was when I was really big. Like as a kid, that was a big thing for me was hockey. I used to know, like I was one of those dorks. Like if you had given me, if I had computer access back then, I would have been one of, I would have been completely into doing the stats. Like I was such a, like just such a nerd, such a dork for statistics. Like I would have been like completely nerding out there and doing a website like that. So like I get it from that perspective. Um, and, and that's, so I get where the passion for those, keeping those stats come in. And it was really cool because that's when you were starting to see a discrepancy in terms of the skill level and where the team stood, right? Like, um, the Jets kind of barely gotten into the playoffs that last year they were here. And you were starting to see some teams truly pull away from the pack, as well as the Canadian teams. Like, people forget there was a time there when we only really had two, maybe three good Canadian teams that were consistently making the playoffs. Like people forget Edmonton, Calgary, like if they were making the playoffs, other than those two miracle runs in the two thousands, like they were, they were done. Like they were done early. They were Cinderella teams and widely regarded as Cinderella teams and still kind of are regarded as Cinderella teams because it's my, it's our generation. That's now the like middle-aged people watching hockey. And, um, so for Winnipeg to get team who scored 76 goals, I think was a hell of a thing. Um, also, uh, I just don't know that it could be done in today's again. It, for me, it's that, is there somebody that can come in as a rookie and will be that much better than it, but everybody else. But again, that's implying that that person would be the goal scorer. So we need goal scoring to go up drastically as a whole. Cause let's assume somebody else gets 83 goals that year. Let's just say that happens right? That 76 becomes in the wheelhouse. Otherwise for a kid to come in as a rookie in today's NHL and be so much better than everybody else that they're scoring 76 goals. I just don't know. I just don't think that's the case. I don't even think to be honest in 2020 NHL, I don't think somebody scoring 76 goals in a season, let alone a first year player. Like I I can't, I can't see this one happening. No. Especially, you know, Ovechkin is the most recent player to even come, we'll call it close to scoring 76. And I think he capped out in like... 65. It was 65. It was 65. Yeah. And that was even, what, a decade ago at this point? Yeah. Yeah, over a decade now. Yeah, we are closer to Alexander Ovechkin's retirement than we are to his 65-goal season. Yeah. Like, put that in your pipe and smoke it for a second there. Like that's a fucking trivia piece right there. Like put into perspective, we are closer to Sidney Crosby's retirement than his, than the golden goal. Yeah, that is so true. We are, we are much closer to that. It's amazing. It doesn't seem like those events were that long ago. Yeah. But they, they were, they were a fourth grader. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, I don't think there's a single... Well, let me think. Yeah, there would be no players, I think, left in the NHL that played when I was still single digits years old. I can't imagine. Maybe Joe Thornton might be the only one. Probably Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton might be no, and Patrick Marlowe. What? Single digits. Ooh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, he would have been right at that cusp of me turning like 10, 11, so... Yeah. But he might have been there. He's close. Him... Roberto Luongo, Patrick Marlowe, they would have been close. Yeah. They would have been the closest. But, like, think about that. Like, we've seen a lot of hockey. And, yeah, I just don't think in the advancements we've come, um, a kid comes in and is that much better than everybody else to be scoring 76 goals. I just, yeah, I don't think it's possible. Even Ovechkin's best season, he would have needed to score 20% more goals. Yeah. Than he did. Yeah. Like, it's not like we're talking about, oh, he needed a couple of goals. No, he needed 20%. He needed basically another 16 games to yeah. get there. Yeah. And he was in his third year in the league. Yeah. He was not some first time player. Yeah. And he was like, and undebatably, he was a phenom who came in as one of the best players in the league. Yeah. And still couldn't, and still couldn't even sniff it in his rookie year. Yeah. I mean, still, and, and, and I think even still. Like I'm even going to go as far as to say I don't think we ever that it's or it's going to be a very long time before we see a rookie get to 50 goals in a season, let alone 76. I don't even think 50 is is in the reach anymore for a rookie. No, it. I don't think 50 is in the reach of a rookie anymore. If if McDavid didn't do it, if Matthews didn't do it, I just don't see it happening. No, it's. It's out of reach. And I mean, McDavid got injured. Like, lest we forget, he did get injured his rookie year. Um, but, like, McDavid was the closest I think we've had in a long time to being able to see some of these numbers challenged. Like, I think if McDavid came in healthy, like, if they scrapped the rest of the NHL season and they just start fresh next year, I could see McDavid doing 50 and 50. I could see him even doing 50 and 40 if he wanted to. I could see him and Matthews coming out and doing 50 and 50. Um, but I don't see a rookie coming into the league next year and being able to pot 50 goals. Like, I don't think there's a, ro- a rookie could come in anymore and be at that level. Like they are, ex- and even Matthews isn't as complete a player as McDavid. McDavid's on a different planet right now than everybody, in my opinion. Far and away best offensive player in the league right now and it's not even close like there's no one even in his universe at this point no in terms of offensive talent no even like when you think of who could be second in just pure offensive abilities it's 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 a debate but it's not even close like there's nobody i there's nobody who could convince me that oh fucking david pasternak nope I don't think Pasternak does for the Bruins what McDavid does for anybody. Because for Pasternak to do, having Bergeron and Marchand, lest we forget, as his line mates, he'd he'd be having to break Gretzky's point numbers. He'd be having to put up 200-point seasons to be having the equivalent contribution. Yeah, it's just not. It's not, see, it's unbelievable that he was that much better that, that, that number is so far and beyond the best players that we have seen come into our league in the last 30 years. It, like McDavid, yeah. Yeah, and McDavid is 
the best player we've probably seen come in as a rookie, maybe most generational talent, I would say. No offense, Mr. Crosby. Yeah. But I think McDavid is the best rookie, we, the best prodigious talent we've seen. I agree. I agree. I would, I would even say in terms of, as you said it, prodigiously, um, he is probably pro- probably the most prodigal prospect to ever truly live up to it is Connor McDavid. Even more so than Gretzky. Gretzky got off to a start. Like, he had a bit of a running start. And McDavid... I even said... I remember saying this to people. I think you were even one of those people. I said... The second that fucking skate touches the ice in his very first game, he is instantly the best player in the NHL. Instantly. And he's lived up to that. And, yeah, he had some big shoes to fill right away. People forget, when Crosby came into the league, there was a debate as to whether he was actually even going to live up to it, too. Yeah. There were people that back then, you know, I, I, I got to find, I'm sure there's the archive footage of it, where there was stories out there on reputable websites talking about how GMs were quoted as to saying, if K- Phil Kessel had been available in Sidney Crosby's draft year, there were GMs that would have taken Kessel over Crosby. That's a true story. And it's just like, I wish I, ha- I could find that. But that was a thing, that that was the talk. I mean, Crosby didn't even outscore um, Ovechkin in his rookie year. That's what I was going to say. For a lot of years, there was that debate of who is the better player of the two. And out of the gate, it was Ovechkin in my opinion. Roughly the same age. Yeah. So it was a really true and fair comparison of yeah. who is the better player. And I agree, out of the gate, it was Ovechkin. Especially considering I don't think his team was as good as what the Penguins were fielding when Crosby came in. Um, they had Malkin, they got Surrey thereafter. They had a good run of talent um, coming into that roster. Lest we forget, they also had Mario fucking Lemieux. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> like, lest we forget, they still had a Mario Lemieux that was putting up 90 and 100 point seasons. Like yeah, who can't come back? You know, like this is like lest we forget, this was a Mario Lemieux that was just recently removed from captaining Canada to Olympic and World Cup gold. So, like th- this, this was not a situation where Crosby was put to you know swim with the sharks. Who honestly did McDavid have that was a recognized elite level? participating, contributing talent in the NHL. Maybe Taylor Hall? Maybe Taylor Hall? Or... Uh, Nugent Hopkins at that point was sitting around there on the bench. Yeah, like, these were guys that were all not... None of them were living up to their hype. Eberle, Hall, Nugent Hopkins, Yakupov, none of them were living up to the hype. And none of them were keeping up with Ovech, uh, with um, uh, what's his name, with McDavid. If Taylor Hall had been keeping up with McDavid, do you think they would have let him go? Hell no. Not a chance. Not for Adam Larson. Yeah, like at the end of the day, people can cut the shit about, oh man, that was a horrible trade, whatever. How? 
In the end, we ended up with Leon, the Oilers ended up with Dreisaitl. Somehow the series of events led to Dreisaitl blossoming in to being better than Hall. I would take Dreisaitl over to Hall every day. I don't know where I stand on that one, only because I don't know what Dreisaitl is on his own. True. That's what it always comes back to for me. It's always hard for me to say because I don't know what he is on his own. True. And I, but so here's the thing. Know what Hall is on his own. Right, but here's the thing too. At least McDavid's bringing something out of dry silence. No different than remember Crosby and Kunitz those years? Chris Kunitz was not the same caliber of player of, of Crosby, but put them together, they became an elite level um, scoring threat. Yeah, it's very, he did come in, I mean, I know it took a couple of years, obviously it would, when you have that much young talent on a roster at one time, of course it's going to take a couple of years for it to all come together. Yeah. But that much young talent in one place. Yeah. And I mean, it's a credit to him for making it come together, but it's also a credit to Lemieux for being like, yeah, come live in my basement. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to come and mentor you young guys and teach you how to play. Yeah, like, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, fucking Mario Lemieux is having them live in his basement, like, how fucking, like... That's devotion, though. Like, that's yeah. dedication. That's devo- like, um, But, yeah, no, when I think about it, I think if Taylor Hall had been worth it for Edmonton, they would have kept him. I think but, for sure. I don't think you let him go for what they got unless you, if you are sure he is exactly what we think he's going to be. Yeah. And I don't think that was there. No. Especially considering there was a significant debate about whether, whether it's him or Sagan. Yeah. The number one of that year. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see, man, if you had Tyler Sagan on a McDa- on McDavid's line. Yeah. Because Sagan can rip it. Like, Sag- like people forget, like, forgetting his off-ice antics and all of that nonsense. Forgetting that shit. Tyler Sagan can play. You know, so imagine him with McDavid. But anyway, we've digressed. What's the, uh, th- so, yeah. what's the third one? So the next one, I want to reiterate the phrasing of the question before we read it. The question is, which record will never be broken? Yeah. So, a team beating the record of the Canadians' five straight Stanley Cups, meaning that somebody would have to win six in a row to break this record. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think adds a unique element to this particular question, because... Five in a row, yikes. Yeah. Six in a row, yeah. no chance. Yeah. Zero percent chance. Yeah. In, it, the current, in the current NHL climate. Now, here's the crazy thing, though. I think that's that's a that's a bona fide no as well. I just don't see that fucking happening um, at all. I think parity is too big a thing. I think keeping together a roster and constantly evolving a roster that would allow you to win a f- six straight Stanley Cups is an, is a daunting task. If you could do it, you are the greatest manager of talent in the history of professional sports. Yes. Like... If you are arguably, like, you are in the Mount Rushmore of leadership in life. Like, you should be doing those YouTube videos that those people are pushing you how to succeed in your life. You get it. Like, I'd listen to that video. But, um, if, yeah, someone builds a team and can and can sustain a team for six straight Stanley Cups, yeah, that's outstanding. I just, I don't see how in today's day and age of parody, 
And kind of the camaraderie too. How many players do move because they're like, hey, I'm from whatever area or whatever it might be. Like just deciding I don't want to be in whatever city for this long. Like that's an element too. There's too many externalities. I just, I don't see how you keep that kind of what's needed to be done, done for six straight years. Yeah, I think the only way it could ever possibly happen in a million years would be two factors. One, you've got Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves in their prime who go, you know what, we don't need to make $12 million a year. We'll take five. Yeah. Each. Well, you take five million. Yeah. So there you go. You just save yourself $15 million a year. Maybe that somehow gets you there. Yeah. Like under the current crap climate, you can't keep enough talent together to yeah. get yourself. Well, and even I, six in a ten-year period is even not even doable. Yeah. Well, I mean, even okay. So let's look at the compensation aspect of it too. We we kind of alluded this uh, when we talked yesterday. Hockey is on the very low end compared to the other major sports in terms of what that upper echelon makes. Like McDavid is rightfully the highest paid player in the NHL. And I think he only makes 12 or 13 million a season. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, it's just like, hold up. Wait a second. Wait a second. If McDavid money is 12 mil, like there's second and third rate talent in the other sports that are making 12 mil a year. You don't have to even be the best in the league to make 12 million. Right? So for for upper echelon players, and and there were years there where Kane and Taves were arguably the two most valuable players in the NHL, easily. Um, it's it's that it's that at what point I think it's a hard question to ask yourself as a professional athlete when you look at the grand scheme of your life, how important is chasing such an unattainable record versus like I still got to take care of me because. I'm not going to, how much can I possibly make up for on the back end, right? How much can I make up for, for this pay cut later on? You know, it's and not. When six straight cups get me the sponsorships to make up for the fact that I'm going to leave all of that money on the table. Yeah. Is that going to make up for the, is that going to make up $10 million a year in extra sponsorship? Yeah. No. No. The answer to that question is definitely no no it especially at the upper echelon it's one of those weird things because i mean yeah the you know the third and fourth rate talent of course it does it gets them some local deals in whatever city they were from they end up opening a car dealership when they retire they're set for them it helps them but on that top end i don't think i think it's a loss i think it's like yeah because i would have had those opportunities regardless Right, so I think. Yeah, so I don't think I think it's just like you're leaving too much on the table. There's an element of that, man. That's a big thing about hockey. It's tough, and I don't like. It's easy in a sense for certain positions. Like if you're a goalie. Like I've talked about this in other episodes of the podcast, where I've said, and you and I've talked about this outside of the podcast. I think even maybe on the podcast, where the day of a ten million dollar goalie, that's not happening anymore. That is just not fucking happening anymore. So the $10 million goalie's out. And with the $10 million goalie out, what is a price range that keeps you gainfully employed and relevant? And I mean, if I was almost guaranteed to be the starter, like I did everything within my capacity. I, I, you know, you train right, you eat, you know, all of that. You, you do the right things, you train properly, you vote, all of that. And you're, you're contributing at a high level that you could say, yeah, I'm the starter here for the next 10, 12 years. 
I can understand as a goalie why you would take the pay cut. Because I think there are goalies that get blurred into obscurity and into backup positions and into early retirement because of that high pricing. So I could see if you have a few established years as maybe a goalie you take a pay cut, but it's kind of being dictated by the league anyway that all goalies are going to have to take a pay cut. So you're not doing anything special now. That, yeah, I think the only people that could are those guys, and it's for them, it's just not there. Uh, so I don't, I don't know that you could put together the team. So I think that one... Honestly, is is just the one that it's just like that's not ever going to happen. I mean, considering the furthest we got was the Islanders four consecutive in the early eighties, which is a completely different era of hockey. Yeah, like it's a completely different era. There was no salary cap. You could spend essentially whatever you wanted. Yeah, I haven't done the research to see if there was anything any spending controls. I mean, of course, no owner is was prepared to lose. Billion, millions of dollars a season. Well, that's it. There's but a business too. Deep pocket, yeah, you could do it. Yeah, but not in the current NHL. So maybe in a world where you say where the salary cap goes away, the NHL shrinks back to like sixteen teams. This is like you know twenty years down the road. Yeah, in that one completely random circumstance of X, Y, and Z having to happen. Yeah. But I mean, if you're having to go to that solution, you're t- you're not you're not you're not presenting a breakable record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you need every pot, if you need life events that we're having to put in in place, like something happens that we only have sixteen teams. I yeah, yeah I think it's pretty safe to say you're not getting an NHL team at that point. No. So yeah. Next on our list is Gretzky's two hundred and fifteen points in a season. Believe it or not, out of all the ones we've heard so far, I think that's the one. That's the. I mean, even that's ridiculous. Because I mean, Kucherov getting 128 points last year was regarded as um, that kind of a you know something that's like, oh my god, are we gonna see someone break 128 points again? Right? It's yeah. a weird one. Out of all of that, I still think it's highly unlikely, if not like zero percent chance. But out of all the ones mentioned, it's the only one that I would give. If I had to pick one so far, that's the one I could say I would say I'd put a vote on. Yeah, that one I struggle with. I feel like that one is somehow the most attainable. Yeah, but I still, I I still do not think it's attainable, <laughs> and I think it's interesting. It brings us back to the Gretzky debate and the Gretzky conversation. If it's a second one of the Gretzky records, yeah. But I just. Again, I see where you're coming from, that it's probably one of the more attainable records. Yeah. Like, you're still 70, you still need to outproduce your previous season by, Kucherov needs to step it up by 75% more points. Exactly. To get there. Yeah, exactly. more points next season. And here's the crazy part. I don't even, and I don't even know that Kucherov is a hundred, is a consistent 128 point scorer. So, lest we forget even that element of it like the 129 points was like him having 22 extra games to do it like i don't know that he's consistently at that point yeah i don't think he's a 100 point season i don't think he's a consistently 100 point season performer so you're right i don't see how even he can get there crosby never got close i don't know how anyone is ever going to come within that record but there is the realm of possibility that 
again, the rules change. Goalie equipment gets small again. Yeah. Um, we start seeing an average goal, an average game being, you know, yeah. 5-4 again. <laughs> well, I think, too, here's the crazy thing. Goaltending equipment, like, I noticed this last season. And... I th- yeah, it was my last, the last season that I had the moose tickets. I noticed a drastic change in the goaltending equipment. Drastic change. And I remember it was like one of those things where I was at like a game and then the moose had gone on a road trip and then they came back. And even between those two games, looking at the goalies, I'm like, that's half the size that he was three weeks ago. And I remember that was the rollout of the new equipment that they were holding goalie standards to. Now, I think even goalies now have, you know, they're quite generous with those standards. But that was a drastic, such a drastic change to my eye, my spectator eye. If you're a guy like Ovechkin and now you're seeing that much more room, right? Like, to me, if I'm playing, like, even if I'm playing, I... Like, yeah, it gives me an edge, but imagine what that does for that level of player. So that's the only reason why I would say as this becomes, a, as, as the goaltending equipment has maybe shrunk and as players keep getting better, it's just like I could see a situation where overall scoring goes up and continues to go on the rise. Like we're back to a point now where five shutouts is a big deal. Five shutouts in a season is a big deal. We had gotten to a point a few years ago where there was multiple goalies getting close to um, like 10 shutouts in a season. Yeah, that's true. A shutout had kind of become a bit of a thing of the, not a bit of, not a thing of the past, but it's not the norm anymore. Like it's not, it's not something you can even reasonably, you have a hot goalie and you're still like, whoa, Hellebuck got a shutout tonight, man. He must have been dialed in. Where you're at 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was kind of like, Shutout was a big deal. The Berger was posting 10 of them a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eight or nine of them a year. Like, it wasn't It, was, it wasn't what it is now. Well, and, I mean, you also figure you get smaller equipment. You get McDavid. You've got McDavid and, and Dreisaitl playing together. Yeah. Maybe four years down the road. Yeah. the 200-point mark again, and then it becomes not that far out of reach. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing, right? They thought sh- for for a second there, the NHL thought shutouts were sexy, and then all of a sudden it became, yeah, shutouts might be sexy, but goal scoring sexier. Yeah. Like, and like plain and simply, it was just goal scoring was sexier, and I think that. So, with all that being said, that's the only one so far that. Um, I finally found it on their Instagram page. I, I pulled it up on my other computer. Um, the list. So now I can look at it. So out of all of them so far, that's the one that I think could be done. But let's get into this next one because this next one, to me by far, is um, the one that I think could be broken. So go ahead. I completely agree with you. This one is seven goals scored in an NHL game mm-hmm. by... I believe it was Joe Malone. Yeah, I think so. Joe and, Malone. Yeah. yeah, Joe Malone was the one who done it. He done it. Oh, apparently, he did it twice. Oh. I think. Yeah. No, sorry, I misread that. Never mind. I did not read twice in that word. 
<laughs> not sure, not sure how I saw that, but you know, I thought I, I thought I did. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but yeah. No. I think we both agree that this one is maybe the most attainable. Well, I remember last season, the start of last season when Ovechkin went on a tear and scored like 10 goals in his first three games and had back-to-back hat-tricks or back-to-back-to-back hat-tricks to start the season. And I remember one of those early games was against Montreal, and I said, watch. I was with my mom, and we were at Original Joe's, I think. And I said, watch. I bet you Ovechkin scores a hat-trick before the first period's over. And somebody, I think we were at OJ's. Wherever we were, I know we were at a bar watching it. And this person beside me like gave me like the stink eye over saying this. And they're like, what about, you know, like the typical Canadian pride thing. And I'm like, watch it. Like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Watch and see. And lo and behold, Ovechkin ended up, I think, scoring four goals in the first period. If he doesn't take the foot off the gas, he might have eight goals before this, before halfway through the second period. Because remember, those four goals were scored on Carey Price, not the backup. Right? Like, if the coach yeah. says, hey, guys, Vechka, uh, Ovi's got the hot stick tonight. Let's go and put in, let's go and have him put in, uh, you know, se- you know, seven goals tonight. If he's got four in the first period and the coach says, hey, you know what? Let's just see if we can do it tonight. And everybody's on board. You know Price is getting pulled at some point. That backup is getting lit up. And I mean, that is probably a circumstance in which you almost couldn't have this conceivably happen. Yeah. Because both girlies are just playing like trash. Yeah. And just getting lit up. Because you're not going to score 10 goals. You're not going to score 7 goals in the game if your team is up 6 nothing. Like, yeah. you're just not going to, you're not going to keep shooting. You're not going to keep firing away at some point. You take your foot off the gas a little bit. So it needs to be a close game. Mm-hmm. Needs to stay a close game because Ovechkin needs to be playing 25, 30, 25 minutes mm-hmm. to get there. Yeah. And he needs to just keep peppering away, nonstop, yeah. never ending. Yeah. Yeah. The seven goals and to I, me is very doable. I, I could see if, I, man, if, they, if you just got selfish one night, you get it done. Yeah. I mean, lest we forget, Austin Matthews scored, what, four or five goals in his first ever game. So, and here's the crazy thing. I believe this is still a statistic. Ovechkin, I know at one point this was true, and I think it was even, it was after he had gotten his, like, first 10 career hat tricks. Of Ovechkin's hat tricks, more often than not, he actually ended up getting to the fourth goal. So, I mean, the the first goal is always the hardest one to get, but once you're at four, I imagine at a certain point there's a certain, like, hotness that kicks in, and you're like, yeah, five, six, seven are kind of within reach. I think, and I think the other key to this one, and why the close game needs to come into effect, it needs yeah. to be a one-goal game. Yeah. Later in the season, in the games that matter, where the team pulls the goalie early, maybe you pick up a free, uh, you pick up a free empty netter that gets you number seven. Somebody yeah. scores six through the early points through the first like, uh, through the first fifty-five minutes. They pull their goalie with about a minute to go. You're up by one. You caught number seven. And then, you know, they keep their goalie pulled, you pot number eight. Yeah. That's probably the only way it happens if you pick up two empty netters. I don't I don't know. I think I think it just I think, dude, in all these situations like 
it's it's a weird thing like at that level of any kind of you know sporting endeavor when it's just your time it's your fucking time and like how many guys score four goals in a game and then never have a multi-goal game again i'm sure that's there's i'm sure somebody out there has that fucking statistic guaranteed um but anyway i uh what maybe one of your listeners who happens to be a crazy stat head I hope so, man. I would fucking love that. I would love to have that crazy stat person on my show. Yeah. Like the questions I have, <laughs> the questions I have. Um, but uh, you'd have to be here in studio with me and us calling that person so that we could all be on that show. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. So anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's a thing that happens, right? It's your time. It's your time. And especially with something like goals, it's just, you do see players that score a hat trick never to score another one. You know, it's no different. Like that's one thing I learned even when I was a kid. Like I remember scoring my very first goal and I was like, wow, that what felt so good, but was took me so long to finally do that. I was like, whoa, I'm never taking this for granted again. You know, I was like, whoa. Like, I had to bust ass that shit. I was a little kid, of course, and whatnot. I remember my first shutout. I was like, oh my God, like the nerves of it and everything. And then, I mean, as I got older and, you know, you get, you you know, especially as a goalie, I think as a goalie, you have a little more control maybe over those kind of things. But then, yeah, you start to get into shutout mode. Like, you know how a game's feeling and you're like, yeah, shutout could be possible here. So let's, you know, you gotta, you know, as, uh, as our buddy Warren likes to say, you need to hunker down, um, and get it done. But I think seven goals, if it's your fucking time, it's your time. I think, I think we've seen players that have unselfishly sabotaged their chances at seven goals in a game. I think that's one. If someone just chose to get greedy would fucking do. I, I agree with you. I think it's doable, and I think it's the most achievable. I don't think it's by any means easy. Yeah. Interestingly enough, this year we hit the hundred-year anniversary of the hundred of the uh, seven goals in a season. It was January thirtieth or thirty-first of nineteen twenty. Holy fuck! When there was only when there was only forty-five players in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, when it was a completely different world. Yeah. Joe Malone did have a six goal game also, for the record. I did a quick stat search for us and found a couple of interesting tidbits on that one for you. I'm not so gonna, he also had a six goal game. I'm not going to lie. Back then, he probably should have been having more seven goal games. Like, maybe seven goals wasn't that big an accomplishment in hindsight. <laughs> exactly. It was, not, it, it was not the same feat that it is today. Yeah, fuck. No offense, Mr. Malone. Yeah, but I could see McDavid, man, if he's playing on a team that's coming off of, like, some kind of back-to-back, like where they're playing like four games in six nights, fuck, and they're beat up, they're tired, and he's fresh and at home, I could see McDavid putting up seven. I could see him just lighting that team up. Like, do you know that's the one team I will pay to see? Them in Washington. I that's the Those are the two teams... I will, um, I will, if, if an opportunity comes to get inexpensive tickets to the Jets, I will pay for, because seeing McDavid live, it's just like, he 
is on such a different speed than everybody else. It's just like, it must be like the matrix to them out there. Well, and that's what, it, that's gotta be what it is for him. Is he, it's the world is, is just slower for him. Everybody is just one step slower. <laughs> yeah, like he's like and these, yeah. We've all, played, we've all played the game before where it's like you have that moment where you're a little bit tired and it feels like everybody else is running at a different speed. Yeah. For McNeeson, that's just, that's just what life is like every day. Yeah. Everybody's just going at a slightly slower speed than you. Yeah. Every time he steps on the ice. Like, that was like this year at the All-Star Game. Somebody broke, you know, um, beat McDavid. And there was, and I was like, or whatever it was, like he had the better number. I think it was. I don't think he beat McDavid in a heat. I think his just overall number was better. And I said, let me tell you something. McDavid seeing that number, guess what? You give him a lap, he's breaking that. He's going to look at whatever number that is, and he's going to be like, yeah, okay. Beat 12 seconds. Beat nine. Like, that guy. And, 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 oh, yeah. He can do that same speed with the puck on his stick. Yeah, it's not a matter of, oh, he doesn't have the puck on his stick. And he's just... Rocketing he's just, around. Just, yeah. The puck and still gets 12. Yeah, like, even... You put McDavid... You put the puck on... Like, that's the craziest thing about watching him play, man. It's not even that he's just, like, so smooth out there and all of this. He's so smooth, so fast, and on a completely different level. Oh, and he has the puck and is, and is dangling it through everybody. And when, when you watch training videos of him dangling that puck around, it's like his stick never even leaves the ice as, as he's doing things. Like, even when he's flipping it over, like, objects and obstacles and whatever, it's like it's, like it's glued to his stick. He's on a different level, man. It's insane. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you are the best in the world at what you do. Yeah. Is that it's just, un, it's quite frankly, unfair. It is. But I want to, okay, so this is something I want to, this is something I really want to digress from. I, or from the hockey talk briefly, but it, it relies directly to Connor McDavid. Growing up, he would have always been special. He would have always had something that nobody around him can do. Is it okay to, in a sense, like, you need to deal with that with that kid. Like, that kid, I think it, I think that possesses a challenge as a parent. Like, I think there's, there's an honest, like, conversation as a parent you have to have. Because... It's not necessarily, like, I don't know what his parents' backgrounds are. I don't know if they were high-level professional athletes or whatever, but I don't think they were from my understanding. But, like, his dad, no discredit to Mr. McDavid at all in any means, can't do what Connor does. It's not like Connor was like, oh, yeah, watching my dad dangle at 100 miles an hour, I just picked it up. Like, no. Like, there was an element there of he was born destined that if he put in the work and effort, he could do that. There's an element of that there. Like, he was born to be elite. Absolutely. And, there, is no, uh, there is no amount of training. You know, and whether he has siblings or not, that's a different dynamic. But I think in a certain point, like, you have to be willing to address that with your kid. Because they're going to know. Like, hey, mom, dad, it seems like no matter who the fuck I play with, they all suck. Um... No, son, it's like, you. It, they don't suck. 
you are that much better than everybody. Right? Like, growing up as a kid, he probably felt like Superman out there. He probably still feels like fucking Superman out there compared to other NHL-caliber players. Absolutely. He, he is, when you're that much better than anyone else on the planet who does what they're doing, you are Superman. You are always prodigious. You are always going to be good. I mean, I get it. There's no, you know, everyone can train. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter how much you and I train. You and I can do the exact same. You, we've said this before. We can do the exact same things that Connor and McDavid has done. On any, that anyone has done. Yeah. We still don't get the same end result. Exactly. 100%. If I train the same hours, I don't get the same results. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And anybody else in the league, it's the same thing. If they train the same number of hours, they don't get the same results. No, not even close. It, it's, it's, what, no. What you're doing at hour one is what he was doing. What you're doing at hour ten, he was doing at hour five. Well, it's not even that. It's what you're doing in hour ten is it's not even what he he's at a different even stratosphere of that like you're not even doing the same things like that's the different like that's how crazy it is like we look at it as fucking lay simple people like we're trying to understand this as we could relate it to us but we can't in terms of like that in terms of hockey related to his peers can't relate to what he can do when he puts on when he t- puts his equipment on and gets on that ice, his everybody else can be doing whatever the fuck they want at the best of their abilities. They're not doing what he can do. Like that's the that's how crazy, like rare this is. Like when you watch him, Crosby was the same thing for everybody around him growing up and stuff. Like give me give him that. Like he's still a very special talent and all of that. I think the difference between the Crosby and McDavid comparison is um, there was other elite skills that other people possessed that they were like, is this a skill I want to have more than Crosby's? But with McDavid, it's everything. It's the fucking mechanics. Like he's like Crosby was known as being an elite skater. McDavid's on a different level of skating than Sidney Crosby. Like it's everything. Like this, like he has to, like his whole life, he can't relate to people. He can't relate to you and me. Like, could you imagine him, like, us playing shinny with him? <laughs> you know, he'd be, <laughs> you know, he'd be like, who brought these two zoo animals here? Like. Yeah. You, you ask him, wait, how did you, how did you do that move? What, what did you do? And he just goes, well, you just, you just do this. And. Yeah. And, but he can't explain to you the mechanics of how to do it. Yeah. Because he doesn't have to think about the mechanics of how to do it. Yeah. His body just does it. His brain just does it. Yeah. It's like, that's why I'm such a big Big David fan. Because, I mean, with him, it's like, it's something special you're seeing. Like, it is truly. And that's why when we've talked about this too, the Crosby and Ovechkin era, is like, we witnessed a very special era of hockey when this is all said and done. Because, I mean,. The Crosby versus Ovechkin one is arguably skill, talent, hype, value, 
the greatest rivalry maybe in all of sports to an extent. Like, there's a, it, I would extend it that far. Like, you could make an argument for it transcending even rivalries of other sports. Well, and what makes it interesting is the first one that comes to mind for me is Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Yeah. But they don't play against each other. Right. At the end of the day, at no point did Tom Brady and Peyton Manning go head-to-head. Right. You can't, it's not the same level. I mean, maybe maybe Magic and Bird in yeah. the 80s, yeah. maybe. That's probably about the closest we get. That's probably about the closest we get. Yeah. And I think we get there because we got a lot more press on it. But this is in, no offense to us hockey fans, but this is the, I mean, biggest sport in Canada, but in the U.S., yeah. it's the sixth biggest sport. Yeah. So, of course, it's not going to draw the eyes. But if it got the same level of attention and focus, yeah. that rivalry would have been right up there with that. Yeah. And I think it, well, I think as a, from a, a sports purist point of view, like, if you just want to put on the sports fan's hat and appreciate just the wide world of sports, whether it's your favorite sport or not, I don't think there's really a true rivalry that topped what we saw and what we have seen and continue to see out of Ovechkin and Crosby. At the end of the day, we can talk McDavid, whatever. I mean, the narrative for an entire sport has been two players who are both Hall of Fame players. First ballot, absolute no doubt Hall of Famers. In their primes at the exact same time. Yeah. And on, I think what limits it maybe a little bit is that they're also in the same conference. That's an unfortunate thing, so they could never meet in the biggest game of them all. Right. That's one small check mark against it, but I mean, you know what, at the end of the day, yeah, you don't completely diminish it because of that. Well, and I think, too, it's a different way. Yeah, like, and it comes down to what you want to put the value on, because you could say the fact that they played in the same conference, same division, means their roads go through each other. Sidney Crosby plays a direct role in Alexander Ovechkin's success in a given year, and vice versa. You know, like, it's it's almost like, yeah, they never get to meet in the big game, but other people could fuck that meeting up too. You know, it's not like they're in the sport of where only these two teams would be playing for the cup year after year. No. So it's almost because of that circumstance, I find it, it almost adds to the rivalry that like, hey, they made a way to magnify this and make it as big as it could be. Yeah, you're right. They found a way to make it bigger than what it otherwise would have been, which is a true sign of it. Because it's like exactly like you said. You can get it diminished just on the fact that it would be diminished by the fact that they did never get to meet in the Stanley Cup. Yeah. But somehow they managed to get past that. They managed to get beyond that. Yeah. Like I think I think it's been a beautiful rivalry. I think it's just been fucking phenomenal for uh sports when you think about it but um let's get back to this list here so um we had had a couple of write-ins we had talked about uh in terms of other things now i'm gonna take away the gretzky 92 goals um just because it does appear on another list that we can talk about in another episode um yeah but um 
I think the, uh, the the big ones there that I didn't see was the Sittler 10 points in a game and the um, 47 wins in a season by a goalie, which is duly held. Or is it 48 wins? Sorry, it's 48 wins. 48. It's 48, which is duly held by Braden Holtby, who just recently tied uh, Martin Brodeur. And lest we forget, the year that Martin Brodeur broke the record, Roberto Luongo had 47 wins that year. Yeah, like, that is a crazy statistic. Like, that is insane. I mean, what's so interesting about that secondary one, the most wins in a season, is how recent they are. Yeah. Wolfie was in 2015, 2016. Yeah. And Roder was in 07. Yeah. So we're not talking about some long-gone age of hockey. We're yeah. talking about a recent, very recent time. But... Really, most of the top 10s are in the 2000s. Well, I think this is the crazy thing about that statistic. And, and the thing I want to point out is, um, as a goalie myself, like I know like when I was younger, you get burnt out. Even now in ball hockey, how many times do you sit me, hear me bitching? And just like you feel it. Like you do get physically exhausted in there. But anyway, burnout's a real thing in every sport you play, in every position you play. But especially in that position, it's fucking intense. And if I'm not mistaken... The year that Holtby got the 47 wins was not the year they won the cup. It was the year before they won the cup. And definitely before. And that year, I think they had a disappointing playoffs. I think a second round exit. There's only so much you can do in a season when you've been playing the amount of games it takes to get 48 wins in a season. If I'm not mistaken, when Martin Brodeur got the 48 wins in that season... He never went on to win the Stanley Cup again. Um, I'm pretty sure the 48-win season came after he was done. It would have had to because he was winning cups. Uh, his last cup win came in 03, and Luongo would have barely been in the league. So Luongo was already regarded as... So yeah, it would have... Yeah, Broder was done winning cups. You know, like, lest we forget these things... Like, to get 40 wins in a season requires such a workload that there was a time when 40 wins in a season was an achievement as a goalie. Like, it was like, oh my god. And there was a time there where only Martin Brodeur was getting 40 wins in a season. And... Well, that season, in me? that season, yeah. they, beat, they, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round, and then they got annihilated by Ottawa in the second round. So, correlation between... Can Martin Roder in for 78 games during the regular yeah. season and choking in the second round of the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty positive correlation right there. Well, and, and lest we forget too, by the time he's done that second round of the playoffs, he's played more games than any other goalie will have played, including probably the goalie that wins the Stanley Cup that year. I, I will go out on a limb and say he 100%. Like I don't and even the Stanley Cup winning goalie that year. Yeah, Stanley Cup winning goalies are not playing 70 fucking two regular season games. They're not playing 78 regular season games. Yeah, wasn't it one year he got to 78 or something like that? Wasn't it? I think it was the 48 win season. That was the, that was the season that he played 78 games. 78 games. You're not winning a cup playing 78 games. Like no, I think you're not even you're not even getting close to the cup with your goalie playing seventy eight games. No, 
because even six more games puts it at 84. You put 84 plus maybe another six. 90 games? There, goalies aren't even playing 80 games include the play, including the playoffs, let alone 90. So he was consistently getting city miles. And yeah, I just... Yeah, I don't think 48 in a season, in, in today's day and age of wanting to get the most and the best possible performance, especially when there's such parity, right? That's the big thing too, is like you need your goalie, well, whoever's in your net has to be at their best. I don't see how you can have that and have a goalie playing 70 plus games. I just, like Freddie Anderson isn't getting 48 wins this season and they might need it, well, had the season have gone on, they would have needed arguably close to 70 games out of him. Yeah. And he wasn't getting to 48 wins, not even close. So it's, again, that same thing is it's just you can't – I just don't see how that one gets done. I don't think you could do 48 anymore. I don't think – I think Braden Holpe was the last one because even Washington saw what it did to him. Well, and Braden Holpe in that season, he was light out. He had a 70 goal – 70 game season I believe the previous season yeah he only and I use the word and I use air quotes for this he only played 66 games that season to win 48 48 games he only played 66 games holy shit so he was winning almost 75% of his starts every percent of his games so he was just lights out I think that was the year Washington was heavy favorites to win the cup I'm sure it must have been. Because if you're only getting 66 starts, holy shit, that's a different story, man. That's a disappointment. Washington should have been winning the Cup that year, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, considering that in his 66 games played, yeah. they picked up 96 points. Uh, yeah. If they average one point a game for the rest of it, you're at a 112-point season. Like, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. That's messed like, up. That is insane. That is the only way you're doing it. And I don't see 66 games being done by a contending team anymore, by yeah. the starting goaltender. I just don't see it. Yeah, even but even at 66, you're not having that kind of win rate. Like, Braden, I've always been a Holpe fan. I've always felt like he's gotten kind of the shaft end of appreciation. Like, he has been, in the last decade, one of the consistently most stable high-performing goalies. And I'm sure if you looked at the statistics and those ones, like winning percentage, save percentage, like games that you could say he played badly in, like he was probably a league leader in those like wins. That Those are those intangibles. Those are those sports better fucking statistics where it's like, oh, Holpe's playing a stretch here? Okay, let's bet Washington hard kind of thing. Like I bet you if you looked in the last 10 years... I'd be shocked to say that there was a goalie better than Holpe. I wouldn't disagree with you. And you know what? Looking just quickly running through the list of games played by a goalie, geez, Washington sure likes to stick his ass in that net. Yeah. He's on there four or five times. In the top, in, like, he's had four or five seasons of 70-plus games. Yeah. He loves to stick his ass out there. But, I mean, also I don't think Washington's missed the playoffs this decade. I think they've made it every no, year. I'm sure they've made it every year. And I think they've had pre multiple president trophies. So, I mean, this is... The Washington Capitals are no slubs, man. And, and Brayden Holpe is no bum either. But, yeah, but I think... I think they've also got 
smart enough to know we can't put him out there for 60 exactly. games anymore. Exactly. We need, we need to cut this at no more than 60. Yep. And 60, a 60-game 60 Braden Holt. And, I mean, now they kind of are doing it with the new, um, with Ilya Samsonov as the backup. Like, Samsonov is fucking good. Like, Washington, man, they're, they're, they're slipping under the radar in terms of scary. Because you got two. Like, I hope he's underachieving this year, but still putting up decent numbers. But he's a playoff guy. And especially once you get that taste that taste for winning. You're like, I know what it takes. Let's go in there and do it. And um, I think that's going to be a big thing as well. Um, but let's talk about the other one quickly, and then I think I have to wrap up this episode. Um, and then, um, But anyway, we've got um, the 10 um, points. 10 points in a, in a game. I see that one. I think that one could be done. I think that one is achievable, no doubt. McDavid, Dreisaitl could come... I mean, I don't doesn't mean I think it's going to happen. Yeah. But I think it could happen. If I think one, I yeah. If that one, if I turn on this on the on like the score or something tomorrow morning, and I see in the ticker that somebody put up eleven points in a game, I'm surprised. Yeah. But I'm not like blown away. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that one more than the eight goals in a game for sure. I could see eleven points happening before eight goals for sure. Um, Here's another funny one that I just quickly looked up. What? It just popped into my head. Most games played by a forward or by a skater in NHL history. Oh, I bet <laughs> Does you. Does that one ever get broken? <laughs> 86 games played is the record by, by two players. Played 86 in a single season? In a single season. Now, one of them won't count. Because that was in, I don't know, know why this was such a case, but in 93-94, they played an 84-game season. Oh, and then he was traded, so. Yeah, but 86 games played in a season. And Bill Guerin in, the, in 2000 played 85 games in a season. Yeah, it would have. It has to be a trade type situation, but I don't know if ever a game a team has enough games in hand. Like That's it's. Just, you have to be traded from a team that has games in hand. Yeah. And traded to a team that was behind, that was trailing behind the rest of the NHL. That one, it's a, it's a weird one. That one could be done, but there's, it's out of any given player's control. Yeah, it's completely out of your control, and you have to stay 100 percent healthy. Yeah. Like I said. It's not an accomplishment by any means. It's just a funny stat. Yeah, like Bill Guerin's one of those ones where it's just like, yeah, because Bill Guerin was also a workhorse. Like, he was a fucking trooper out there. But, yeah, that one could be done just because... I don't know if it could be broken because I don't... Because you need a situation where a team hypothetically has five games in hand. Yeah. Like, because you need to get to 80... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's the other way... You get traded to a team that thinks they're going to make a run at it, and then they kind of fall apart, and then you get traded the second time to a team that's making a run at the making a run for the playoffs. Yeah, it's. I I mean, there's a way to mathematically figure out how it could be done. Um, Like there actually is. You just need to know the schedules and when the schedules (laughs) intersect. Um, It's more. So there's a way to figure out how it could be done. Um, I just don't have the time or patience to do it, but it, it can be done. So any of my listeners out there that want to do that for me, you are more than welcome to do it. And I will bring you on the show and we will discuss those findings. But Nick, I got to let you go, my friend. I thank you so much for coming on today. 
Um, and thank all of you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. Take care and bye-bye for now.